0: Responding properly to an in-cabin emergency, do you know what to do? From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. Emergencies on board business aircraft are thankfully rare, so it may seem like we don't often need to think about what to do in the event that something goes wrong. And with that, it's all too easy to think of flight attendants only as the friendly people serving us refreshments or who help us figure out how to connect to the in-flight Wi-Fi. But that attitude discounts the level of training that flight attendants go through to ensure that when an emergency does occur, they're ready to help their passengers to safety.
1: We take this training very seriously because it is going to be your absolute very worst day if you ever had to use it. But we're very grateful for the opportunity to, to take the training and to be there for passenger safety and for our own safety, while we're trying to also conduct a really nice experience for our passengers.
0: Karen Hall is an independent contract flight attendant. Also joining me today is Christina DePew, a flight attendant for a Part 91 operation based in Washington, D.C.
2: Whether you're a contractor or full-time, the flight attendants are there for safety, and they are trained for that and that it is up. A big deal in our minds as the flight attendant and dealing with the passengers that were there and we know what to do and we know how to handle stressful situations. Sometimes I think it gets overlooked that we are there for safety.
0: Karen, both you and Christina regularly undergo training to ensure that you're prepared to respond correctly during an emergency. Is that training different for those flying for Part 91 operations versus Part 135?
1: Part 135 operations typically have their own in-house training requirements for things that are not necessarily classified as emergency procedures. It would be things like hazmat training, things along those lines, but they do actually require their flight attendants to go through annual emergency procedures and medical emergencies procedures. Part 91 operations vary by company, mostly, however... The more established companies will require their flight attendants to go through annual emergency procedures training and annual medical emergencies procedures training. Some of the things that I've seen that are a little bit different too with the part 135s is how you're actually designated as part of the crew configuration. Some of the charter companies don't list you as an actual crew member. They list you as a passenger. And so you're actually not required to do any safety training.
0: I'd imagine that places even more emphasis on supplemental training. What kinds of additional training are available, Karen?
1: Oh, there's a lot of different things, particularly if you are involved in a flight department that does a lot of international travel so that you're very well versed in some of the different countries and cultures protocols. That's always a very big asset to have that kind of education. Any kind of food safety courses, that's really highly sought after and is very important because we are the food safety managers on board our aircraft. So those are the three things that come to mind, the food safety, culinary training, and then protocol training.
0: What supplemental training do you recommend, Christina?
1: Well, it depends on the flight department
2: because I know some flight departments don't require that you have Medair, even though they have Medair equipment on their aircraft. So that would be one of the class I would take would be a Medair class or a Tempest. Some aircraft have Tempest now, some don't, because most of the additional safety training is based off your flight department. So that's another class that's additional to your annual flight safety or any emergency training throughout the year that you're required.
0: More with my guests in just a moment. But first, this word from NBAA. <coughs>
2: NBAA flight plan listeners. Are you ready for the convention? It's back. It's nearly sold out and it's going to be a game changing event. Join us by visiting NBAA.org slash 2021.
0: We're back now with professional business aviation flight attendants, Christina Depew and Karen Hall and our discussion about emergency cabin procedures. Karen, let's head out now toward the aircraft before departure. How do you coordinate with the flight crew on emergency responses?
1: I think that's something that's a lot of times very much overlooked with the cabin attendant or the uh, third crew member. But I have been lucky enough to work for a company that had a very advanced safety management system, and that entailed a pre-departure trip briefing with the flight attendant, cabin crew, whoever else was involved. A lot, lot of times it involved representation from the mechanic side of things so that we would always have a maintenance report prior to departure. Any th- squawks would be something that would be pertinent for the flight deck to be aware of. And and for the cabin attendant as well. You know, somebody heard a noise the week before. Can you, can you monitor that? Uh, that kind of thing. So the the pre-departure trip briefing, as far as the safety procedure, would be what would happen if we had to, to return to the airport and, and get everybody out? What kind of signals are we going to, get going to use? Let's just review that really quickly, especially if we're doing long international overseas trips, making sure that everybody's kind of on the same page before we even leave. What I do see happening out in the contracting world is that's not done very often, if at all. And that's That's kind of a scary thing for me coming from a as I say, a very advanced safety culture environment. It was actually a line item uh, briefing that was done uh, prior to every trip, not just the big internationals. So it's how much your department actually structures itself around a safety management program. However, and I will say, however, it's never a bad thing for a cabinet attendant to ask some pertinent questions regarding what would, what would happen in case of an emergency. So it should be part of everybody's environment and knowing full well that it's not, You would never hear a cabin attendant say, oh, I would never ask that. It's up to us to ask, and it's up to us to get people thinking about that.
0: Christina, what's your process for coordinating with the flight crew?
2: The biggest thing I guess I would add is definitely talking to the pilots about their signals. I come from a military flight attendant background, and one of the biggest things that we taught and trained for emergency procedures are what is our signal to evacuate? What is our command? So knowing what the, how the pilots react, because some say easy victor, some will say evacuate, evacuate, and knowing what they are is something that every cabin attendant or flight attendant should know because when I came out into the civilian sector as a flight attendant, easy victor to me sounds off or EV and I didn't get used to it. So I was like, can we say evacuate? And then they would, okay, we can say that. So it just depends on just having that open dialogue with your pilots, your maintenance and knowing that you can have an open conversation with them without them, why are you asking these questions? Well, I'm there for safety. I'm in the back of the aircraft. So that's the biggest thing I would say is making sure, you know, the signals for an evacuation or for an emergency procedure.
0: Along similar lines, Christina, what are some tips you have to share when it comes time to give a pre-flight briefing to your passengers?
2: I do individual briefings, especially if I have new passengers on my manifest that I haven't flown with. And I'll go up there and ask them, Have you been on this aircraft before? Do you know the safety procedures? Do you know where this is? And kind of give them a one on one because one of the biggest things I've noticed is you're right, people don't pay attention. But if you come up to them and just kind of ask a couple questions, like I have in a conversation versus over the loudspeaker when it's a small aircraft, that They'll pay attention to you because you're right there. So you can give them just a short, hey, this is um, the main entrance door. I'm your flight attendant. This is emergency exit, the baggage compartment, if we need to use it, stuff like that. And let them know that my pilots will put the seatbelt sign on. And they also notify me when we're going to have turbulence. Because sometimes they'll put the screen on that says, please like, your safety belt. And people still won't. So I kind of go in and we'll be like, you know, the pilot said we're about to hit some, um, turbulence. They've been getting reports to go ahead and buckle up. So I do more of the one-on-one emergency briefings than I do with having it play over our loudspeakers. They pay more attention
1: when you're talking to them directly and you're down at their level.
0: Karen, how do you recommend structuring pre-flight briefings?
1: Yes, I think the individual one-on-one approach is probably going to command the the most amount of attention that, that is paid. Another thing I would maybe add to that, especially with a new passenger, is to hand them the safety briefing card. They all know what to do with them. They know they should be read. But if you're kind of standing there and explaining things and you hand them the card, they do tend to open it up, actually, and take a glance here and there. Now, whether they've committed anything to memory because they've seen and done this a million times, probably not. But at least, you know, you've done your due diligence.
0: That sounds like a very subtle but effective way to make passengers at least acknowledge the safety card. And on the subject of training your passengers a little bit, are there training options available for frequent passengers so they can learn to be better prepared for potential emergency conditions?
1: Absolutely. There's a training program that is conducted by one of the major companies that actually has a motion-activated simulator that they can bring to your facility to conduct uh, the emergency procedures drills that, and use window exits, for instance, and main cabin door exits that are very similar to your own aircraft. And they can simulate things like having a smoke-filled environment. And how would you find that exit? What would you do if the flight attendant or cabin attendant wasn't able to communicate with you? If, For instance, if he or she is in, injured and how would you get out? How would you do that? So those programs are extremely effective. I was lucky enough to be able to conduct one of those drills with my former executives a number of years ago and everybody raved about the program. It included a little bit of classroom time and then actual in the simulator, going through the windows, going through the doors, filling the cabin with smoke type drills, and it was very, very effective and very well received.
0: I went through an in-cabin emergency demonstration like you describe a couple years ago during NBAA base, and it was a shockingly realistic experience to the point I felt my heart rate increasing, even as I was telling myself it was just a simulation. Christina, I can definitely see how such an experience would help inform a passenger's response during an actual emergency event.
2: I've been very lucky. My passengers have attended the Medair and the Tempest training with their flight department. And we've also done one-on-one training inside our aircraft. So our passengers are very intuitive of the safety precautions and how to do things if I'm not available or something's happened to me or the pilots. So I'm very lucky with that aspect, but it is important to have passengers know how to use the doors, how to pull out a fire extinguisher, you know, where they're located, what to do in medical emergency, where the first aid kit is, where we keep the Tempest, how to use it because sometimes the pilots may be busy doing something else. The flight attendant can be incapacitated. So it, who have any flight department to advocate for additional training for their passengers
0: indeed so if a flight operation manager or a flight attendant is listening to this podcast and thinking about ways to improve their operations emergency response plan what steps would you recommend for them to help develop these effective emergency cabin procedures
2: Well, I would suggest a couple of things. One would be to do their annual training with your flight attendant and flight crew together. It's not as easy as it sounds, but every other year, getting the flight department to realign their training and spend time in a smoke-filled cabin using the windows, who's doing what, and having... That stress that a training environment could give you is one of the pinnacle things. I think it should be in all flight departments, actually. And then the second one I would suggest is going through your own airplane on a regular basis, pulling out the life rafts, pulling out the fire extinguisher off the brackets, because you don't want to touch it the first time during an emergency. You want to know how to pull it out, what kind of sticks it'll have, you know, on any piece of equipment. So that's a big thing that I would suggest. And I think most flight departments definitely do that more than training together. But number one, hands down, I suggest that making it a point to have your flight attendant and your front end crew trained together in the event of emergency.
1: Karen, what steps do you recommend? Well, I completely agree with Christina. The all crew member approach for training in emergencies really defines the highest standard of what should be on every flight department's agenda. And especially if they have a commitment to a safety management system and an emergency response plan is embedded in that, it makes perfect sense to then uh, take it from a, a whole crew concept and really be thorough about it and put it on your training matrix every couple of years, like Christina said, to do that kind of training. It's invaluable.
0: Additional guidance on a wide range of safety-related topics in business aviation is available at nbaa.org safety. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan.